The text passage for the sermon this afternoon is Revelation 5, verse 5 to 7. We'll read that again. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne." The book of Revelation, beloved brothers and sisters, was written at the end of the first century. The end of the first century. The Lord had ascended into heaven. The gospel had been preached in Asia Minor, in Greece, in Rome, Egypt, various places. And it was a difficult time for the early church. The Lord had ascended to heaven, and they were waiting for Him to come back. But they were waiting and waiting. And when was that going to happen? At the same time, there was persecution. The church was not recognized in the Roman Empire, not yet. And every now and then there was a persecution ordered by an emperor or a local governor. And on top of that, within the church itself, not everything was always the way it should be. There was weakness in some places. There was decline in some places. There was false teaching that caused friction and division. You can easily tell that from, if you just go through the seven letters to the churches in chapter two and three, we don't have time for that, of course, but if you just look at those seven churches, there is one church that lacks love, there is a church that is persecuted, then there is a church that is starting to compromise in the faith, there is a church that is corrupt, there is a church that is called dead in faith, then there is a church that is faithful, and the last church is called lukewarm. So you see what's, what's going on in the various churches in Asia Minor, only Asia Minor. Among those seven churches, there are lots of things that are going well, but lots of things that are not going well. And now the Lord gives to His church this revelation through the Apostle John. And it's important for us to listen to this, because even though 2,000 years almost have passed, many of the things are still the same in our time. We are still waiting for the Lord to come back. The church is still being oppressed, sometimes heavily, like in the Middle East. Egypt, Syria, we hear the stories these days. And the church is sometimes doing well, sometimes in decline. You know about that as well. And it doesn't take much for Christians to, to say, well, I don't know. This has been going on for 2,000 years now. Is it for real? So some of us think of giving up. 
Now, the Lord gives this revelation to John that has been included in his word so that it could be read by the church of all ages, also by the church in 2013 in a place like Owen Sound. The Lord has given this to us also this afternoon, as, and, and the idea is that we would be strong in faith, that we would remember that even if the Lord has not come back yet, He is up there at the right hand of the Father, and He is working out the plan of salvation that is revealed in the book of Revelation. He is working His way through the seals, if you study the book, and through the seven trumpets and everything that, that you will read after these chapters. And, and the intention is that we would learn from it and be strong in faith, that we would tell one another, come on, let's persevere. What is written in the book of God is exactly what we see happening today. So let's not give up, but let's continue and be strong. So the, the, the core, the, the central vision in the whole book, I think, is what we are talking about this afternoon when the Apostle John gets this vision of the throne room in heaven and he sees the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, taking the scroll. Earlier this week, I had to uh, submit my theme and my points, and I wasn't finished writing the sermon yet. So I apologize, but it's a bit different now from what's in the bulletin. The theme is simply this. Then he came and took the scroll. That is basically what it says in verse 7a. Then he came and took the scroll. And then we are asking two, three questions and going to answer them. Question number one, what is the scroll? Question number two, who is he who takes the scroll? And number three, what does it mean that he took the scroll? So we'll try to keep it simple. Three simple questions. What is the scroll? Who is he who took the scroll? And what does it mean that he has taken the scroll? So, what is the scroll? The Apostle John sees this marvelous vision. Let's, let's try to get into it a little bit. It's marvelous. It's impressive what he's seeing. He sees, he looks into heaven, and he sees someone sitting on the throne. Obviously, that is God. The one who's sitting on the throne is brilliant in his splendor. John describes it in appearance of jasper and carnelian, beautiful reddish gemstones. Around the throne there is a rainbow of shining emerald, that is greenish color. And then surrounding the throne of God there are 24 smaller thrones with 24 elders seated on them. They are dressed in white, and they have golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne, what he sees is come flashes of lightning and peals of thunders, and seven lamps are blazing. That's the spirits of God, the Holy Spirit. And as what he also sees is there is a lot of activity going on in the throne room. He also sees four living creatures, strange creatures. One looks like a lion. Another one looks like an ox. The third one has a face like a man. And the fourth one looks like a flying, flying eagle. They have six wings, and they are covered with eyes all over. They can see everything. 
And these four angelic creatures are singing continuously. Day and night, John says, they never stop singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, when they say this, when they sing this, it is echoed by a song of praise by the 24 elders. They fall down before God on the throne and worship Him, and they sing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. That is a short summary of chapter 4. An impressive, an impressive vision. Just imagine all this brilliance, this shining beauty with God seated on the throne and the angels, thousands of angels around Him and the 24 elders, 12 for each testament, 12 for the Jewish nation and 12 apostles, and all that activity around the throne with the angels and the creatures praising God and the 24 elders who represent God's people joining in. But now our attention is drawn to a detail. It's like the TV camera has first given us the broad picture, and now, like you know, what they do, they zoom in on a small detail. The camera zooms in on the right hand of God. There is something in the hand of God, a scroll. And not just a scroll, it says, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. That, that's important. The scroll has writing on both sides. What does that mean? Well, anybody who knows the Old Testament would remember the scroll that the prophet Ezekiel had seen, Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel's scroll had words of lament and mourning and woe written on both sides, inside and outside. It described the judgment of God on the unfaithful people of the Old Covenant. And here we have another scroll, an unusual scroll, written on both sides. This scroll also has judgments inside, outside. And again, this scroll has has promises that will lead to the salvation of God's people. Now, we, we are fortunate because we already know what's in the scroll. It's described in the following chapters. And if you know the book of Revelation a, a little bit, you know what's happened, what will happen. Quickly, chapter 6, verse 1, for example. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals... And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. The judgments are coming. The judgments are described. And what is also described in the scroll is the salvation, the liberation of God's people. So yes, there will be struggle. Let's not be amazed if we hear about Christians being persecuted. Let's not be amazed if it's difficult in Canada and they're trying to push Christianity to the side, we, we, we knew it was coming. But the scroll also says that God's people will be saved and liberated and will gain a victory. So everything is in this scroll, everything that's going to happen in broad lines. The prophecy about the victory over Satan and his servants, it's in there. A prophecy about the new earth and the new heaven, 
The year 2013 is in this scroll. You're starting up a new season. It's in there. The year 2014 is in the scroll. And all the years that need to pass by before the Lord comes back. But there is a problem. This scroll is not opened yet. It is closed and firmly closed as well. You know that the people in, in those days worked with scrolls, but they would not always seal them. And they would definitely not always seal them with seven seals. What does this mean? It is sealed with seven seals. Well, that only happened if a scroll was very, very important. For example, if it was the will of a very important person, someone who had lots of possessions. Such a person might ask, like a lawyer, and, and, and they would make a will, and then they would call in seven witnesses who all had to place their seal on the scroll, on the will. And nobody was allowed to open this will, of course, until the maker had died. And when that happened, when the maker died, the seals had to be broken by somebody who was authorized to open the will. And that person then had to make sure that everything that was written inside should happen exactly according to the wishes of the maker of the will. Now, that tells us something about, about this book, the scroll. It is the book that contains all God's plans and promises for the punishment of His enemies and for the salvation of His people. It's a book that tells us that there will be a lot of affliction and strife, but that the victory belongs to God and His people. The future of the church is in the scroll. Your salvation, my salvation is in the scroll. The only thing that needs to happen now is that someone who is authorized should come and take the scroll from the hand of God and open it, and then history will start to unfold, and at the end we will have the new heaven and the new earth. This leads us to the second question. Who is the person who can open the scroll? Who is he? And now there is a problem. John sees an angel, a mighty angel, it says, proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Now, we understand this is an important question, right? Because if there is nobody who is worthy, the scroll cannot be opened and God's plans cannot be carried out. So the angel is ask, asks for somebody. So there is a sense of anticipation in heaven, in the throne room. Okay, the angel is asking for somebody to step forward and open the scroll with God's plans. And then nothing happens. No one from the ranks of the angel steps forward to say, okay, I will, I will take the scroll. No, nobody. Perhaps somebody from the 24 elders? No, nobody steps forward to say, I will take the scroll. And John's sense of anticipation changes to anxiety. Is there nobody who can take the scroll? You can imagine John 
as he sees this vision looking around. He knows the scroll is important. He knows it contains the plans of God. Somebody should open it, otherwise there is no future for the church. I once heard an African pastor preach on the same passage, and he did it this way. It's kind of neat. So he describes John as looking around, and he describes the angels and the elders looking around among each other. Who can open the scroll? And then they all look at Moses, who is there in heaven. For sure, he is important. He can take the scroll. But Moses shakes his head. He says, no, I'm not worthy to do this. Then they look at Elijah. For, for sure, Elijah, he was a, a great prophet. He can open the scroll of God. Elijah shakes his head. He cannot do it. He says, I'm not worthy to do this. Then they, they go on. They look at Adam. You're the first man on earth. You can do this. And Adam starts to weep. He says, no, I'm sorry. I'm not worthy. It is all my fault that this, this all happened. It's a very vivid way of describing the, the tension in the throne room. Who is worthy to open the scroll? And John, when he sees that there is nobody, he starts weeping. Chapter 5, verse 4. So I wept much, because no one was found worthy to open and to read the scroll or to look at it. Isn't this a dramatic description of our need for a Savior? If you look around in the throne room of God, among the angels, among the leaders of the church, the prophets of old, there is no one who is worthy to open the scroll of God. Not Moses, not Samuel, not Elijah. No one can step forward and say, I can do it. I can take the scroll and open it. Because even the best believers of the old days were still sinners. But now, pay attention. John is the only one who is weeping. No one else is weeping. So one of the elders turns to John and says, do not be concerned, do not weep. There is someone who can open the scroll. And the elder continues and says, see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. So John is encouraged. You can imagine him wiping the tears from his eyes, breathing a sigh of relief, and now he looks up in anticipation. He, what, what does he expect? He expects a mighty lion, the lion of Judah, to make his entrance into the throne room and then take the scroll from the hand of God. It's another dramatic moment. He, he expects this, this lion of Judah and then what does he see? I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, looking as if it had been slain. A lamb looking as if it had been slain. Not a lion, but a lamb. The seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, of course, we all know who this is. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the one who was worthy to receive the scroll from the hand of God and then to open it 
and then to initiate God's plan of redemption for the whole world. But do you understand why it is important that the Lord Jesus is pictured here as a lamb and not as a lion, although he is both? Remember what the question was. The question was not, who is willing to open the scroll? The question was, who is worthy to open the scroll? And there was only one person who was worthy to do this, the one who was slain for the sins of mankind, the one who was perfect in everything he did. Although he was innocent, he paid the price for our sins by offering himself as sacrifice, and then he rose from the dead. That is why God considered him worthy to receive honor and glory and the kingdom. That is why God gave him authority in heaven and on earth to carry out God's plans of salvation. And all this we see pictured in, la in the lamb in John's vision. He sees a lamb, but not, a, not really a, a normal lamb, the ones you see around in the field. He sees a lamb as if it had been slain. And that reminds us of the cross of Jesus. And that points us to the reason why he is worthy to open the scroll. He is worthy because he was faithful in his calling of being the savior of God's people. And now we come to the climax of the vision. For 7a, the lamb came and took the scroll from the right hand of God. That's the moment in world history. The lamb came and took the scroll from the right hand of God. And when that happens, there is an outburst of praise that starts in heaven and reverberates throughout the universe. It's, it's so neat to see how that, how that works. It starts in the throne room, this praise, and then it goes like a ripple effect. Have you noticed that? Um, who are the first ones? Verse 8, the four living creatures and the 24 elders. So that's in the throne room, throne room itself. They sing a new song, verse 9, you are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals. And they sing. And then there is a next group who joined, who joined in. Verse 11, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. Ten thousands times ten thousands of angels. They join in the singing with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And when they have joined in, it reverberates throughout the universe. Verse 13, every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the, under the earth and such are as, as are in the sea. I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory. So it's like a, a universal choir. The whole universe is singing along this song of praise, worthy is the Lamb. I'm sure some of you have, uh, have sung in choirs, some of you perhaps have sung in mass choirs. Like it's one thing to have a choir of 20 or 30 people, but sometimes they make a community choir or a mass choir of hundreds of people. It's the same thing you get when you sing with hundreds of people in a church. There is something very beautiful and powerful about it. Well, this is the universal choir. God's angels and the creatures and the 24 elders, they start singing in heaven and then it reverberates throughout the universe and all creatures join in. 
That is quite something. Are you singing along? Can you enter the new season, this time of the year, with this song in your heart, Worthy is the Lamb. I'm so happy that he was found worthy to take the scroll and, and, and get, God, get the history of salvation moving. Well, perhaps you do not feel like singing. Perhaps there are too many things going on in your life. Perhaps there are too many concerns. And how can you sing when that is happening? Well, it is still possible if you understand what it meant for the Lord Jesus, what he had to do to be worthy to take the scroll from the hand of his Father. And you need to understand that there is a connection between the scroll that is in the hands of the Lord Jesus and whatever happens to you or your family, your children, your parents, today, tomorrow, this week, this month, and afterwards. And that leads us to the last, the, the third question. What does it mean that the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, took the scroll? What is the message of that, the impact on our lives? Let's go back for a moment to verse 6 again and look at that description of, of the Lamb. 6b, John says, I, I saw in the midst of the throne a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Yeah, a strange vision, of course. A lamb with seven horns, seven eyes. What are the seven horns? Well, that's a symbol of power, of course. And that is what, what we know about the Lord Jesus. When he um, departed from earth, he told his disciples that he had been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and that he is using that power to carry out God's plans of salvation. Seven horns. He is powerful to do it. He's willing to do it. Seven eyes, seven spirits of God, points to his ability to oversee the world. The Lord Jesus is in heaven, but he is with us as he has promised. And he asks us, even though he is in heaven, he asks you and me, remain in me. It's a wonderful thing to reflect on. The Lord is in heaven. We are here on earth. We are sitting here in church this afternoon, and he says, remain in me. How can you remain in somebody who is up in heaven? Well, he's in heaven, but he's also here with us. And the connection is through the seven spirits of God, through the Holy Spirit, so these are wonderful things. It's a, it's a reality that is not seen by the eye, but it, nonetheless it is experienced in the lives of God's people, that the Lord is with us and that the Holy Spirit comforts us and guides us as much as we want that. So the Lord Jesus Christ is portrayed here as all-powerful and omnipresent, and through His Spirit He is here with us in Owen Sound, in the congregation, and in our homes. And he is with us in Hamilton, and he is with the missionaries, 
that are working out the plans that are in, in the scroll of God. He is the one that has the scroll in his hands, and he's making sure that everything that is written in this scroll is going to happen, everything for sure. Now, if you believe that, the strange, the strange thing is that you will also see it happening. If you don't know it, if you don't believe it, you don't see it. But if you, if you read, if you were to study the book of God, and especially the, the seven trumpets, the seven seals, and what it all means, you will see this is happening. We see judgments. We see disasters in nature. It's all described in the scroll. But we also see that God's people are being gathered together and that they are gaining a victory over Satan. Yes, Satan is attacking them, but Satan is not able to overpower them. May I mention one example? I think it was last week, this past week, or the week before, that uh, it was in the news that in Syria they, there was a Christian village um, that was overrun by Al-Qaeda. And all of a sudden it was in the news, and oh, why does this happen? Is there politics behind it? I don't know about that, but isn't it remarkable that in the year 2013, after about 1,400 years of domination by Islam, there is a Christian village? in Syria? We do not always know, but the Lord gathers and protects His people around the world, and he, he, he will do what He has decided to do. And Satan might try to attack and destroy the church, but even in Muslim countries, despite all the hatred, the church is still there, much more than we sometimes realize. So keep this in mind. Brothers and sisters, when there are challenges and afflictions, do not forget it when your life is going well, when you have success and prosperity. Keep it in mind when you have to take your loved one to the hospital or when you are the one who is taken to the hospital yourself. Keep it in mind when you are alone in your room, struggling with loneliness. Keep it in mind when your body or your mind is showing signs of weakness. Keep it in mind when you are young and you are charting out a course for your life, looking for a life partner perhaps, trying to find a job. Everything still seems to be possible. Keep it in mind. This is the real perspective. This is what Christ is doing in this world. The seals are being opened. The trumpets are being sounded. All happens according to His plan, and He will continue. And in the end, there is the vision of the new Jerusalem, the new earth. That's going to happen too. So whatever happens, brothers and sisters, it is in the hands of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He, the scroll is in His hands, and He is unfolding it now. Now we could go on. There is so much to say about this. I will say two more things, briefly. The first one is this. If this is the perspective that we get from our text, what is the calling in general for each and every one of us? The calling is persevere. Do not give up. Do not give in to the thoughts that, oh, things are bad for the church and our church is, is not that strong either. Whatever you might think, or my, my faith is not that strong, 
do not give up. The, church, the Lord has given us this vision in order that we might believe that He is in control and that we should just have faith in Him. He will work it out. And our calling is to have faith in Him. That is the first thing, persevere. And the second thing is, what are we to do in our everyday life? Look at verse 10. They sang a new song, and then in verse 10 they are singing, and He has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Now, you know, kings and priests, that we can have another sermon on what that means, to be kings and priests. I'm not going to do that. But just a reminder, that is what we are called to do, to persevere and believe that Jesus, our Lord, is working everything out according to the plan of God, and He makes us to be kings and priests as servants of the Lord. Look at your life from that perspective. Today, Sunday, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do not look at yourself from the perspective of the world. The world looks at people a certain way, whether you are productive, whether you have money, whether you are physically attractive, things like that. The Lord looks at you from another perspective. The Lord has made you to be kings and priests. That's everyone. Not those who have a lot of money, not just those who are physically attractive. Anyone, a believer who is sick or old or handicapped, is as much a servant of the Lord as the believer who is still healthy and strong and involved in many activities. The widow and the orphan is as valuable in the eyes of the Lord as the one who has a large family, the unmarried or the married, the young or the old. That can be difficult. It is difficult to be sick and sore and to see that as a calling from the Lord and an opportunity to be a king and a, and a priest and a prophet. It's easy to despair and think, I'm on the sidelines now. I don't mean anything anymore. But in the eyes of the Lord, nobody is on the sidelines. Whether you're sick or sore or healthy or strong, we're all, He has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So remember this as you go back to your respective callings at home or here in church or in the society. Remember that Jesus Christ got a scroll in His hands. He initiates every new phase of the coming of the kingdom and is going to end with the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. That is where we are going. So persevere, and you will experience it, because Jesus Christ is in command. Amen.